read the word of God together, and uh, we just trust the Lord, the Lord will undertake. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. If you turn over to Psalm 46, Psalm chapter 46 this morning, Psalm 46. And verse 4 says, There is a river. There is a river. The Bible says, There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. Thank God there is a river. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place. God's in the midst. And it's a river. Everything of what we need this morning in this room, as you're turning over to John chapter 7, please, everything of what we need this morning, healing, deliverance, breakthrough, whatever the need this morning, financial, mental, spiritual, emotional, everything is found in the river of life. There is a river. There is a river. There is a river this morning. You need to know this. There is a river. When they say there's no answer, when they say there's no hope, when they say there's no way through, when they diagnose you with whatever they diagnose you with, let me tell you something. There's a river this morning. And that's a river of life. That's the resurrection. That's the life of God. And everything that river touches, what does it do? Someone tell me this morning, everything the river touches, it heals. There's healing in the river. Praise the Lord. There's deliverance in the river this morning. John 7 and verse 37. And Jesus said in the last and the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, if any man thirst, if any man thirst, you know, I could probably preach just on this this morning because I believe that the greatest problem in the church today is the lack of thirst is the lack of thirst, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for Jesus. 
We have filled it with everything else. We have turned to every other broken cistern, but now none but Christ can satisfy. So thirst is important. I believe this morning we're here because we're thirsty. Amen. Are you thirsty for Jesus this morning? You want the Lord. I believe that that's what, what, why we're here this morning. He says, John 7, the great day of the feast, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the Scripture has saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We sang it this morning. We're singing the Word of God this morning. Out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Are you thirsty? Are you a believer? Are you a believer? Then out of believers' bellies flow what? Rivers of what? Living water. Verse 39 is important because he tells us here, but this be a key of the Spirit, which they that believe in him. Are you a believer? And Jesus Christ, as is what the Bible tells us, they that believe in him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Last week, the heavenly ministry of Christ, we looked at it from Scripture, from his seated position in heaven. If you turn over, I want you to follow through in the Scriptures this morning. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's Word. Would you follow through Hebrews chapter 1? Just follow the Scriptures through this morning as we come to look at the earthly ministry. Last week, the heavenly ministry. This week, the earthly ministry of Jesus. Many would say, but the earthly ministry of Jesus is over. I would disagree with them that the earthly ministry of Jesus is fully operating today across the world. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 tells us there, as we just recap in a little bit on last week, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged my sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What a scripture. We read in Acts chapter 1 as they gazed and as he went up, people asked the question, what happened after he left? We'll come to some of those things in a moment. But friends, this morning he sat down. After he had purged our sins once and for all, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and high. The ascension, the exaltation of Jesus Christ in heaven, the appearing there currently, presently, now for us is crucial to validate the work of the glorious cross and the resurrection. If Jesus did not ascend the King of glory, he had not finished the work. Through the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ is crucial to validate the work of the cross. Now he appears in heaven by his own blood. He's victorious. He's glorious. He's majestic. He's crowned with many crowns. He's the King of kings, and He's the Lord of lords, and His name is Jesus. He's the mediator of a new covenant. 
the new covenant in his blood. We just looked at it last week. He's the great high priest. He's the intercessor for the saints. He's our advocate in heaven. That he's our legal representative. He's taken our case. Thank you. Thank God this morning. He's paid our price. Thank God this morning we're free to go. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's our healer. We prayed the prayer of faith this morning. And it says that the Lord shall raise them up. He's the healer this morning, not man. We are in obedience to God's word. We anoint with oil. We pray the prayer of faith. But friends, this morning, Jesus, he's the healer, and he'll raise them up. He'll deliver those that are sick. And lastly, he is the baptizer, and by no means least, he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. By three amens. John 1.29, when John the Baptist seen him coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Luke 3, chapter 16, always remember, it says of him, John again, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus. He's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost from a seated position in glory. In Hebrews chapter 8, if you turn with me this morning, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, this is the totality of it all. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. What a verse. What, what, what revelation. Number two, verse two. He's a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man has somewhat also to offer. So there is a true tabernacle. The tabernacle of the old was a pattern or taken from that which was the real or the true in heaven. Now after the cross and the sacrifice of Christ as the Lamb, God's Lamb, and as His resurrection and now His subsequent ascension, there He is in the true tabernacle. He's the ministry. He's the minister of that of that sanctuary, the true type. And that sanctuary not only is in heaven, but that sanctuary is here this morning. We are seated with Christ where? In heavenly places. So as the minister of the sanctuary, although we have a body and we're here on earth, when we're born again of the Spirit of God, then the Bible says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His own dear Son. We're spiritually born again. We're born from above. And the minister, when we come together, friends, this just isn't a wee meeting on a Sunday morning. This just isn't a wee gathering of some wee weird group of people in some corner. All across this world, wherever believers are meeting together in the name of Jesus Christ, He's the minister of that sanctuary. And he indeed is those, he is the one that would serve and officiate on our behalf by his own blood. That's why the Bible says that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace. How do we do that? By faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Where do we go? By faith to the throne of grace. Where's the throne of grace? It's in glory. So although we're here, I remember Brother Clendenin saying, we say the saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're there's no earthly use. He said he's never met a man like that. It's good to be heavenly minded. It's good to be heavenly minded. We should be so heavenly minded, but that we're great earthly use. Do you understand? Because then we have the mind of God. So the ascension and the exaltation of Christ 
As he is seated there and the ministry of this sanctuary, Jesus officiates in heaven in that true tabernacle on our behalf. Hebrews 8, if you have it still open there, verse 6. It says of him, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by, much, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. That's the new covenant which was established upon better promises. That means there's promises in the kingdom. There's promises for you and for me. There's promises given to the church of Jesus Christ. And it is a more excellent ministry. And he's the mediator of that better covenant and his better promises. Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. Do you know there's promises for you this morning? This is what the Bible says. For all the promises, every one of the promises in the book, through Jesus this morning, they're mine. All the promises of God in Him, that's Jesus, are yes, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. So every promise in the book, He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He'll help us in the midst of trouble. He's our provider this morning. He's Jehovah Jireh this morning. And Joy with John Angler said, every one of us are on benefits. For all of him, he's not Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Jireh. And the Bible says, forget not all his benefits this morning. Are you benefiting from his grace and his mercy and his love this morning? His healing power, his keeping power. We're kept by the power of God. Not one of us are keeping ourselves this morning. He's keeping us, friends. And here we find that all these promises are in Christ. Now this heavenly ministry is on the basis of an everlasting covenant that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a word that's often used. It's a great word. It's called the efficacy of his blood. And what a word this This is so important. You know, we sing the song, there's power, power, wonder-working power. How many people know there's wonder-working power in the blood this morning? There's wonder-working. Now the efficacy of that blood that is simply means for us this morning, the power to produce an effect. That's what the word efficacy means. The power to produce an effect. The blood produces an effect. It washes, it cleanses, it heals, it delivers, it sets free, it cleanses the mind, it cleanses the body, it cleanses the atmosphere. There's power in the blood. And the blood shall never lose its power. And when the church stopped preaching about the blood, then the church should just stop preaching. The blood is everything. He's appeared there through the everlasting covenant, the blood of that everlasting covenant on our behalf. So what of the earthly ministry? We see the heavenly. We see Him seated. Just recapping on that. But what of the earthly ministry of Jesus? The ministry of Christ. Never a ministry like it. This world's never seen the like of it, friend. There's no one like Jesus. Nobody. He's the one that sets the prisoner free. He's the one that heals the brokenhearted. He's the one that opened blinds eye. There's no ministry like the ministry of Jesus. God forbid us that we ever call it a ministry after our own name. God forbid this morning that we'd ever do that. Or name buildings or halls after any man. God this morning alone should get the glory. There's no ministry. He's the ministry of the sanctuary, friend. He's the ministry of the sanctuary. He's the minister this morning, and it's a more excellent ministry. This heavenly ministry, the gospel of Jesus Christ, for three years you're often told this was his earthly ministry, and it was. 
in a physical body, just like yours and mine. He took upon himself flesh. This is Christ. He took upon himself flesh, just like yours and mine, yet without sin. The earthly ministry of Jesus. And then we see as he went to that cross, most would assume that the ministry of Jesus died when Jesus died. But that is an error. That is not the truth. The earthly ministry of Christ would not finish. The earthly body of Christ, the earthly body of Christ, when he died, his death on that cross, made a way for you and I to enter into a heavenly tabernacle, but would also reveal that that transfer from an earthly body, there'd be a transfer from the earthly physical body to a spiritual body. We are the body of Christ. In Luke chapter 4, we look at the ministry at the beginning again, if you would turn with me. In Luke 4 and 18, we just read about Christ going into the, the, to the synagogue. He opens the book from the prophet Uzziah. The New Testament had not been brought together by the Holy Spirit at this point. And he opens the book and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We know that he closed the book, he sat down, and all the eyes are upon him. The beginning of what is known as the earthly ministry of Jesus in a physical body. Mark chapter 16, as he's about to leave this earth, he said these words, the Mark 16 verse 15, if you turn over, I know they're familiar words this morning, but in Mark 16, 15, he said, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Can I ask a question this morning? When you hear Jesus, Luke 4 and 18, he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom. When he gets to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he instructs his disciples to go and preach the gospel, can I ask you a question this morning? Which gospel? Because there's only one. There's not two. There was one gospel. He says here, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We'll have a baptism service on the 8th of September. Our sister Kim's going through the waters in Newcastle. Praise the Lord. If there's anyone else that's not baptized in water this morning, I encourage you, these are the words of Jesus. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We're following the commandment of the Lord. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall, would you say it with me this morning? And they shall. Was it a different gospel that he was given to the church? Did anyone see anything different? No difference. So after he had spoken... Unto them he was received into heaven. He sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and they preached everywhere. And this is lovely. And the Lord was working with them. And he confirmed the word with signs following just like it was. Jesus is in heaven. And the earthly ministry, did you see what happened? The earthly ministry of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, not in a physical body, but now in a spiritual body, will continue I know I'm going a wee bit against the stream of tradition and everything this morning, but I believe the Lord can help us. 
I believe this is what's needed in these days, a revelation of the body of Christ on earth by the power of the Holy Ghost demonstrating again the kingdom of God to a lost and a broken world. This is the only hope. The gospel's the only hope. The gospel's the only hope. We're hearing constantly of suicide, brokenness, people not knowing where to turn, uh, driven by devils. You know, I still this morning, I'm sitting there praying, I'm still hearing the thud of Charlie's head against the wall. Someone get the voice. Someone help me crying out. Friends, he's one of thousands across our nation that don't know where to turn this morning. The hour, this hour is a dark hour, but the hope of our nation is the gospel. It's the only hope. So Jesus in heaven and the earthly ministry of Jesus would continue not in a physical body, but a spiritual one. Now just turn over my Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. I want to bring you through the scriptures in case you think it's just my opinion. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9. And this wonderful book, Ephesians and Colossians. We looked at Colossians earlier in the year. But this is a wonderful book bringing this revelation. Ephesians 1 and 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. So God wants to reveal this morning a mystery unto you. It's a mystery. But you can receive it by revelation. And so it's, it's difficult. I know it's very difficult this morning as Pentecostals and stuck in a Pentecostal ritual and even in a Pentecostal denomination, and just by going through the same routine of the things that we do. It's difficult for, I don't want to offend anyone, if, if a Presbyterian to think outside of the Presbyterian box, a Pentecostal outside of the Pentecostal box, a Methodist outside of the Methodist box, or, or, or a Baptist outside of a Baptist. It's hard because we have a tradition. But here's the tradition that we want to look at this morning. This tradition of life. Right? So here he tells us there's a mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he had purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both, look at what it says, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth even in him. We're talking about a union this morning that's a mystery. And that mystery is revealed to us by Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle grasped this revelation probably more than anyone outside of Christ who gave it to him. In Ephesians 3 and 3, if you turn over, he says, How that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery. So it came, it doesn't come by the flesh. We can go to Bible school for the rest of our lives. And we still not get the revelation. Not saying it's wrong to go to bed. But you understand this is a revelation comes by the Spirit of God. He made a revelation by, by he made known unto me by the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when they read, that they may understand by my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's something else what he's saying. This is what we need this morning, friends. If, if we're saying, I, I want to grasp this, what we need is the Holy Spirit to breathe on the book and the revelation to come. Are you open for that? Are you open to receive a revelation from God's word this morning that's been a mystery and hid? A, a full revelation of really what the church is supposed to be. And I know we're in the midst of a, of a nation that's, which is bogged down with tradition. 
But I, I believe, honestly, friends, God's about to move by his spirit. He's not going to create another denomination. He's not going to, whether they be all be independents or whether they all be this or that and the other, God's about to revive his body. And the church will demonstrate where you love the Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to demonstrate this gospel to this broken world. In Ephesians 3 and 9, it goes on to say, sorry, in verse 4, he said, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 9 says in the same chapter, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God. God had always planned this. This is an eternal purpose that God has planned, who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now on the principalities and powers in heavenly places, he might Places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Now, the purpose of this, or the intent, is that on the principalities and powers and heavenly places, there be a revelation made known by who? The church. Who's the church? Are you saved this morning? Then you're the church, not the building. If you're saved this morning, then you're the church. So God has a purpose, a mystery that he wants to reveal and make known the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Friends, this morning, we are living in a day, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but what against? Principalities and powers. You know, what, what, what they tell us is all the problems today, all the diagnosed with everything, all the syndromes, I'm not saying that they're not real for that person, all the all the things that are listed and listed. I mean, I'm not that old, but when I was a kid, there was none, there was none of those things about. I didn't hear of any of the things that I'm hearing today. They say there's so many different types of personalities. There's so many different types of this. When I was growing up, I'm glad I didn't grow up in this hour because it labeled me with everything. I'm telling you, I'd have every label that you could imagine. I was, my mother's here, she'll tell you, I was wild. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory and give her the victory too. So here we see the manifold wisdom of God. It's going to be revealed by the church of Jesus Christ. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Jesus Christ our Lord, there's going to be a manifestation. I want to get this revelation. Do you? In Ephesians 1 and verse 21, if you turn back, it says that Jesus is seated. And he's far above all. Would you read it with me? Verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet. Give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The revelation of the body of Christ, the church, that he's the head, and his purpose is to fill that body with himself. The fullness of Christ in the body, not just in it, but actually working through it. Lord, we need a revelation. We need an understanding to be enlightened because, friends, this world needs to see the gospel preached. It needs to see the gospel preached, not just hear the gospel, but see it preached. How is this possible? The earthly ministry which I began and completed in my earthly body through my death, burial, resurrection, and ascension is going to continue in a spiritual body called the church. How is it possible? 
Well, the same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus at the beginning of his earthly ministry would be the same Holy Spirit that would come upon the church, his spiritual body, at the beginning of their ministry. That's what happened, just like Jesus at the beginning of his, at the beginning of the church, Pentecost, not a denominational thing, but a reality of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came upon them. He would give the church the comforter. And thank God the comforter has. John 16 and verse 7. How is this all going to happen? Because Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God. John 16 verse 7. Jesus said, I'll just wait till you get there, just to follow the scriptures this morning. John 16 and 7. Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, Jesus would send us the Comforter. He would send him to us. Remember, it's him. Not an agent, not an energy, not a thing. It's God, the Holy Spirit. God forbid that we start to mess around with the Godhead. He is the Father Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a blessed trinity. I know there's a lot of strange doctrines coming in that the Holy Spirit is a thing or an agent. God forbid, friends, He is the Holy Ghost. He is God. In John 14, just two chapters back, verse 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. In verse 26 of the same chapter, chapter 14, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever things I've said unto you. He's going to teach us this morning. Thank God for teachers and gifts that he puts in the body. But the real teacher is the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak of Jesus and he'll bring everything of what Christ has said and the revelation of the cross. He's going to reveal it to us. So this doesn't happen. I just want to encourage you this morning if you're saying, well, I don't even have the intellect to take all this in. I don't think I understand everything that you're saying, Tim. I just encourage you to do one thing, even the wee ones this morning. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you make it real to me? It's okay to pray. Lord, I don't... Have you ever come to a verse in Scripture and you say, Lord... I'm not too sure what that says. Know what, to, know what to do? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me what this means? I'm going to tell you, he's our teacher. That's how much we need the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Comforter comes. John 15, verse 26. Jesus said again, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. I want to just stop for a moment. We're looking at the necessity of the comforter in our lives, in our church, the gospel of the kingdom, the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus. How do we become part of this body? Anyone know? It's so simple. We're born again. Praise the Lord. We're born again of the Spirit of God. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, it tells us there, now there's not just one baptism. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us of baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms, plural. So here's one of the baptisms that takes place. You're baptized when you're saved. You're baptized into the body of Christ. That's a, that's a wonderful, the day that you were saved, 
the moment that you were born again, a spiritual transaction took place. You're now a member of the body of Christ. That's a baptism. We know there's several baptisms. There's the baptism in water, going through the waters. Because you're saved, it's an indication of an inward work and an outward experience. You go through the waters to publicly identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then there is the baptism in the Holy Ghost in the Bible. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, if you turn back to that, so when you're baptized, born again, you're put into the body of Christ. Remember, this is a spiritual body. But Acts 1 and 4, Jesus said to them, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said, He ye have heard of me, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In John 14, you see, the earthly ministry of Christ was a ministry that impacted villages, crowds. People came. He met ones at wells. He, he came to the ones and the twos as much as the crowds thronged him. He healed their sick. He opened the blinded eye. He raised up their dead. The lepers were cleansed. He preached. It was a gospel of power. And John 14 and verse 12, it says these words. This is the words of Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me. Can I ask you, are you a believer this morning? Still, still awake. Are you a believer? Amen. He that believeth, do you believe in Jesus? He that believeth in me, this is what Jesus said, the works that I do, shall he do also. The works that I do, that's just for believers. It doesn't say those who have been to Bible college, those that have a degree. It just says, those that believe in me. There's a stripping away that's needed today, friends, like never before for the church to be really what the church is purposed to be. He says, the works that I do, the works shall he do also. Then he says, and greater works than these shall he do. I don't want to stop there. I want to make sure you don't fall into anything of error here. That does not mean in any way that you'll be greater or I'll be greater than Jesus. The greater is not in the miracle. Don't see all the God channel flesh and lights. Don't be deceived, bad friends. It's not, friends, this morning, it's not the, the greater in the sense of what the miracle is. It's the greater in the amount. All over the world, the Spirit of God's moving. He's moving in India. He's moving in Africa. He's moving across China. Miracles are happening. The dead are being raised. The lepers are being cleansed. Blinded eyes are being opened across the world today. I know it might seem strange to us, stuck in Ulster, and we are a bit stuck, but God's still moving, and he's still moving in miraculous power. And he wants to do the same here that he's doing everywhere else. But we need to be stripped back from all our intellectualism, all our tradition, all our death. What has become of the church in the West? Of relying on all the stuff that we have. We have so much stuff. We have so much stuff. We have so much comforts. We have so much riches. We are so much increased with goods that we've lost the centrality of it all. It's Jesus. 
says, Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so here we see that Jesus had instructed the church that they would do greater works in quantity, not quality, and quantity because they would be brought into the body of Christ spiritual and they would go everywhere preaching the gospel, the Lord working with them, and signs and wonders would follow. Friends, Jesus was in them and working through them and working with them and confirmed the preaching of the gospel with signs and wonders following. When Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 29, if you just look at this, these verses, they're important in the context of what we're looking at this morning. When Peter preached in the great day of Pentecost and that outpouring of the Spirit, verse 29, he says, Men and brethren, let me free, freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, he is, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit upon his throne. He, seeing this before, spake, this is what he spoke of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. I want to stop there because this is just an important, this is a footnote, but I just want to, I want to, discovered a point here because it just over the last month or two I've heard this raised up with me personally a few times about his soul left in hell. Let me tell you something this morning. Jesus, let me tell you, friend, Jesus did not go down to hell and suffer. You need to hear that this is all this new teaching and all this fun that Jesus was. Let me tell you, friends, Jesus didn't go down to hell to suffer. Hell in the Old Testament, Sheol had two compartments it was Abraham's bosom. Remember, that's when the rich man and Lazarus died. Remember where Lazarus went? He went to Abraham's bosom and the rich man, he went down in the hell or in the shoulder, the place of the dead, the unrighteous and the righteous. When Jesus died on the cross, the only time he suffered, he suffered on the cross. He suffered and died on the cross. And in his death, he triumphed over, he didn't go to hell, he triumphed over the devil and the grave and what he did do when he descended, let me tell you what he did. Hades, the Greek word Hades, hell. Hades has gates. That's what the Bible did. And bars. Let me tell you something. When Jesus descended to bring those Old Testament saints to glory, he pulled the gates off hell and he broke the bars and he rose triumphant with Abraham, Jacob and Isaac and he's gone into heaven. He, didn't, he wasn't tormented by the devil in hell. Don't listen to that nonsense, friends. Turn the TV off. Just turn to God's word this morning. He rose triumphant. Lo, in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior. Up from the grave he arose. He tore the gates off the, the Hades and the bars. And he set the prisoner free, friend, this morning. And his name's Jesus. He didn't suffer in hell. They try to create all these things so you'll buy their books. Just put your money into missions. So here we see in this this morning that, he, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Verse 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God exalted, and what has he received? Having received of the Father the promise. Who received the promise? Jesus received the promise of the Father. 
Where is he this morning, friend? He's seated at the right hand of God. He's triumphed this morning over the grave, over sin, and over the devil and all the powers of darkness. He rose and within the glory. And they cried, Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord mighty. He's mighty in battle. He's the King of kings. And as he sat down, I don't know how it all happened, but I just see it as the, as the Father says, Now here is the promise for your children. It's the promise of the Holy Ghost. Think about it. There he is with his own blood representing us. And there's a promise for every believer in this room this morning. And here he comes with that promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Now remember, remember in Luke chapter 7, when John sent his disciples to Jesus, when John was in prison, and the disciples said, are you the Christ? Is this the reality? Is this the gospel? Or are we looking for something else? This is what Jesus said. Go your way, tell John which things you have seen and what you've heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Friends, when, when Peter preached that message on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is what you see and hear. This is the same gospel. This is the same Jesus. This is the same power. This is the same Holy Ghost which you're seeing and hearing. And this is the answer for the world. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. David has not ascended into heaven, but he himself said, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel assuredly know that God has made this same Jesus whom you have crucified. He's Lord and he's Christ. He's Lord of all and he's the King of Kings. Then Peter said, when they asked, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for here's the promise. Here's the promise. For the promise is for you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's a promise for every believer in this room. The body of Christ is spiritual. Whatever the name on the door, it's spiritual. Whatever the size of the building, it's spiritual. Whatever how big the spire is, the body of Christ is spiritual. And the head of the body is not Francis. It is Jesus. Hebrews 10 and 5. It says these words, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. When Jesus laid down his, his physical body, his earthly body, he raised up a spiritual one. Christ is the head, and all this happens by the power of the Holy Ghost in one form or another. 162 times Paul mentions the union of Jesus and his body. He likens it to a husband and a wife. That's what he likens it to. The husband and the wife. He likens that spiritual union, Christ being the head and the church. One and they're the same. There's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to tell you what it is. And may we align ourselves to what it is, not what we think it is, or not what tradition has told us it is, or not even what a denomination tells us. You know, I heard, I tell you, this is one of the most grievous things I've ever heard, that there was a church, and in that church, the minister stood, 
and said to the congregation that the days of healing are over. It does not happen anymore. In that congregation, there was a woman sitting in the congregation who about 30 years previous, before that minister ever came, about 30 to 40 years previous to that, was blind in both eyes. And the Lord wonderfully and miraculously healed her. And she was sitting looking at the minister. I don't know what I'd have, I don't know. She was so gracious. I know what I'd have done. I'd have, I'd been out the door. How could this be that we become so traditionalized, so bogged down when there's a woman who was blind sitting looking at him and saying the days are healed? Could you imagine me saying to Stephen Nixon, who's healed of a seven centimeter tumor and has wrecked him a cancerous tumor? Stephen, the days of healing are over. I know what he'd say. He said, Your head's cut, wouldn't he? That's what he would say. Friends, we try to put God in a box. We try to get him down into our intellectual level. We try to get him into our tradition. God's not interested in our tradition, our intellectual boxes. But we know anything outside of this word, friends, I'm not interested. But if it's here, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. The body of Christ is spiritual. When he laid down that earthly body, he raised up a spiritual body. And it's by the power of God. Now, Romans chapter 1. Just a few moments, I'm going to be closed. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is a gospel of power. It's not a gospel of word, but it's a gospel of power. Paul writes, Romans 1.16. Would you read it with me? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is a power. That's the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 5? 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Sorry, I'm going to read a few verses just out of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2. Yes, would you read with me? Let's all read it together from verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Brothers and sisters, are we is faith arising in our hearts to believe God? For this gospel to be preached, he's looking believers. That's the qualification. Believers. The believer. And Corinthians 1, Corinthians 1, if you go back to this one uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, just read that verse with me. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to unto us which are saved. It's the power of God. Are you seeing a flow here? It's the power of God. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Would you read Acts 1 and verse 8 this morning? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That includes Balnehinch. The uttermost part of the earth. That's us. 
The power of God. The power of the gospel. For believers. The glorious baptism in the Holy Ghost is not a denominational thing. Friends, it's a scriptural thing. The empowerment of the church with the gospel. A gospel of this kingdom. One kingdom. One gospel. One faith. One Lord. One church. One Holy Spirit. It's one, friends. It never changed. Man's changed. But Jesus never changes. His earthly ministry, the gospel, when he preached and demonstrated, now entrusted to a spiritual body, that's you and I, that by the power of the Holy Ghost, the ministry of the gospel continues. It has not changed. It cannot be diluted. It's the purity of the gospel and the power of the gospel. Let me ask a question. I have a wee glass of water here this morning. How much poison can I put in this glass and you'll still drink it? What about a wee drop? Just a wee toady tip. Would you drink it? Not one of you would drink it. Why? Because it only takes a wee bit to dilute the whole thing. It doesn't take much, friends. And that's what's happened. It doesn't take much. It was Maynard that said, we can preach the gospel but we're preaching it without the Holy Ghost. We're preaching it without the Holy Ghost. What should we do? What's our response? Let me say, first of all, there's no issue with the head. His name's Jesus. He's victorious, glorious, and he's triumphed. The flow in that body, the faith, the things that can quench the flow, the things that block the flow of the Spirit of God. The things that hinder God moving. I, anyone, I've heard people pray many times, Lord, I don't want to be a hindrance. I've heard people say, no, if I'm going to be a hindrance, I'm going to stay in the house. Grow up. It's silly. We need to get our hearts sorted out. That's what we need to do, not stay in the house. We need to get our hearts sorted out. We need God to move and purge. It's a beautiful biblical word. Purge out the old. Purge out the old. I tell you what a purging the church needs in the West. That's including me. The unforgiveness. Sorry, I knew I wasn't going to get amens the whole way through. The sin the not discerning the body of Christ, our place in the body can all affect, can all affect the flowing of the Holy Spirit. See, it's a body. Let me tell you, if I jumped off this platform on Brent's big toe, he's going to feel it. Yeah. And he knows it. <laughs> he's putting his feet in there. <laughs> you see, if your big toe's sore, you'll know about it. Isn't that right? There's no part of you today that's sore, that you don't know about it. Isn't that right? So friends, these are the real issues. You know, the big issue. This is the big issue. These are the issues. And so often we're trying to maybe put someone else right when we really need to look in the mirror. You know what the mirror is? Here's the mirror. 
We're trying to discern everybody else. We're trying to get this one right and you right. Tell you what, how you're going to, Lily, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I guarantee you, Lily knows what she needs to do. Not being, but I, she knows that I know I need, what I need to do. And so we're looking around everyone else and we're saying, well, Jeff, I know what you need to do. But you see, the Holy Spirit will be able to tell Jeff what to do because Jeff walks with God and he loves the Lord. And so we want to tell everyone, friends, let me tell you something. We just need to look in the mirror and make sure you don't walk away and forget what it says. Because in all of this preaching about the power, I tell you what's critical, the character. That's what integrity is. The character and the person of Christ. There is not going to be any big signs and wonders happening. And if they are happening, I tell you the one thing you'll see. You're going to see someone that walks right. They'll not be judging others. They'll be slow to speak. They'll be meek in their spirit. To be quiet in spirit. To just be like that dove. You see, when the dove came, I don't know why we, we had doves, or Luke had doves one time. They're very timid. You can very, you open the back door, they're gone. The flutter of them coming down is majestic. But they're always looking very carefully where they're going to land. Let me ask you, can the dove land this morning? Can he land on you? Can the Holy Spirit land on us? Is our hearts right? Is our spirits right? Do we know in our own heart where we are, where we're walking, the things that need to be sorted out? Friends, we really want to see a gospel of power. Gospel of power comes to a people of purity. Purity. Every revival that's ever come has always produced the same thing. Holiness. When you hear revivals and they're all jumping around and still running around bars and clubs and, and doing whatever they want to do, I want to tell you some friends, it's going to be a Holy Ghost revival. So, only a little can leaven the whole lump. Only a little. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, purge out. That means thoroughly cleanse. And friends, see when it says purge out? Please, I, I beseech you, brethren, and brothers and sisters this morning, do not think of anyone else in this room but yourself. Because I'm not thinking about you, I'm thinking about me. How we need to examine ourselves. Let me encourage you, there's an advocate this morning. There's an intercessor this morning. There's one who's taken our place this morning. There's forgiveness in the blood this morning. But purge out the old leaven that you might be new. As every, even as you're unleavened, for Christ is our Passover, a sacrifice with us all, for, for us all. Deal with me. Brethren, didn't come with enticing words, didn't come with great intellectual wisdom. He said it was weakness, fear, and trembling. But he says all these things, it was in the demonstration of the Spirit of power that our faith does not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The last outpouring, I believe there will be one. There's going to be a glorious outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I believe that from God's word. I believe we need it more than ever before. The ground 
is dry. The bones are dead, boy. What a day we are in. What an hour. None of that frightens us because Christ has triumphed. He knows everything about this hour, everything about this day. But the last outpouring will not be of man or for man to create a new denomination. It will be to glorify Jesus Christ and to make his bride ready. I believe it will be Pentecostal, not in the denomination. Please don't go out saying he thinks God's only going to move in the Pentecost. I don't. I believe he's going to move in anyone who's thirsty. But I believe it will be Pentecostal, just like the first one. It'll be glorious. It will be a Pentecostal outpouring. There'll be power. There'll be an amazing love amongst the brethren. And it'll be holy. Jesus said in those days in which we're living, that many false prophets will arise, shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. And then he said in verse 14, And this gospel, what gospel? The only gospel. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. Friends, I believe we're close to the end. But what a day this is for the gospel. Has to be a gospel of power. The Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children, and for your children's children, and for as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's received the promise, and he wants to shed it abroad amongst us this morning. By faith, Lord, help us shake off tradition and appropriate the promises. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together this morning.